Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome to the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so how has your week been mine's been um pretty tame i haven't really done too much yeah same for me um luckily i had off on saturday because you know we've been doing our movie nights yeah uh, on saturday night so i've had the last couple of saturdays off which have been nice so um really just trying to relax as much as possible. I mean, the the schedule hasn't been as hectic, you know, due to, to no baseball, which we actually found out uh, today, you know, during the fall, we have the University of West Florida here in town that hosts their football <clears throat> games at our stadium. We found out that uh, that will not be taking place. Oh, wow. Uh, they will not be playing football at all. They're division two. They're not like a major, you know, like division one school, like a, Alabama or something like that, but um, no, there will be no Division hmm. Two sports. So I will have more free Saturdays <laughs> in the fall if um, if we're not doing movie nights. You know, when yeah. kids are back in school. I mean, we we don't have any plan beyond August, but that doesn't mean that we won't do it. Maybe but, you um, should go back that, to uh, streaming on the weekends. I know. It, it seems like I might actually be able to have the time to do that. Yeah. Because I know uh, I want to stream if I have the time to either Earthbound or Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. I um I got all my stuff in the mail that I had ordered to hook up the original hardware to my computer to be able to uh, to play um, the stream the original hardware. Turns out I got the wrong thing because <laughs> uh, I mean I got oh, a good capture card. It, I can use it with the. Uh, with the the switch, it actually works really well with the switch, but um, it's a it's a HD uh, AV to HDMI converter that's uh, either 720 or 1080. It's got a little switch on it, but um, for some reason, it's not registering the correct signal for the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo. Um, and I hit up a bunch of people on Twitter, and I got a bunch of responses for a certain. Um, capture card that I need to get so I'm going to order it this week and it'll probably take about a month to get to me because it's got to come from Japan so it's going to be another motherland before I can uh, start streaming original hardware <clears throat> but um, yeah last week I, I worked late every day and I had to work on Saturday so I didn't get to do too much but I have been playing um, anybody that's Got me as as a friend on the Switch. Sees me do nothing but play Goblin Sword this last week. Every spare minute I get, I'm playing that damn game. Yeah, I've I've downloaded it. I haven't had a chance to really play it yet, but I'm excited to dive into it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a good review. I'm just worried that I'm not gonna finish it before next Wednesday because that it is a meaty game, man. Like, I've been playing it? it nonstop, and I'm not even off, like, the first part of the map yet. Wow. Because I'm so OCD that each level you go through, you have to get the... There's certain things you get each level. There's each level, there's three blue gems and two uh, treasure chests you have to get to complete the level. You can move on once you actually make it through the level. You don't have to get anything. You can just get through the level and then you can move on but with my uh my ocd i have to go back into each level a million times and try to get both chests and three and the three uh blue gems so it's taken me forever to get through the game because i'm i'm just yeah. loving like the 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 i guess the challenge of it to to go through and try to get all that stuff in each level yeah, no, I, I can understand that. I, I'm excited to to hear what you have to say about it. I'm going to hopefully be able to play through a little bit of it uh, before your review. That way I can 
have a little bit of a taste of it, and I I have no clue what I'm going to review next because I'm going to need something to wash this week's game, <laughs> the taste of this week's game out of my mouth. Speaking of but that. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Sure. If I can hit the right button. This came to us in the email from I am the Rampage himself, who is in the chat room. Uh, from avsforum.com, Back to the Future, the Ultimate Trilogy is coming to Ultra HD Blu-ray. Sweet! Um, in 1985, director Robert Zemeckis, executive producer Steven Spielberg, and producer writer screenwriter Bob Gale embarked on a three-part journey through time that box that broke box office records worldwide and catapulted Back to the Future into one of the most beloved trilogies in motion picture history. Um, the Ultimate Trilogy, available on 4K Ultra HD for the first time ever, will be available on October 20th, 2020, just in, just in time to celebrate Back to the Future Day on October 21st. This collection is loaded with bonus material, including a bonus disc that comes with over an hour of brand new content such as rare audition footage um, from Ben Stiller, Kyra Sedgwick, John Cryer, Billy Zane, uh, Peter DeLuise, and C. Thomas Howell, a tour of the film's props and memorabilia hosted by co-writer Bob Gale, a sneak peek at the new musical show, and a special episode of the popular YouTube series, Could You Survive the Movies? Join Marty McFly, um, Doc Brown, and a time-traveling DeLorean for the adventure of a lifetime as they travel to the past, present, and future, setting off a time-shattering chain reaction that disrupts the time-space continuum. I am wondering if this thing is going to actually have all the uh, lost footage of uh, uh, Eric Stoltz as yeah. Marty McFly. I would love to see a recut of the movie with all of his scenes added in because I think they got... Most of the movie was filmed. They just had to go back and refilm a lot of the, the you know, like close-up stuff with, with Michael J. Fox. Like, a lot of the action scenes were already filmed that they, if you look closely, you can see that it's Eric Stoltz and not uh, Michael J. Fox. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited for this. This sounds like, you know, a really cool box set, and there's a ton of... Um, a ton of features that you can read, you know, through the full article, but yeah, I, I would love to see it just with the, the audition footage. Oh yeah. It is, you know what I'd love to see. I mean, there have been a few releases of back to the future. Yeah. I remember getting the original DVD set when it first came out because I, yeah. I loved back to the future growing up. It's one of yeah. my favorite movies of all time. I recently did a rewatch of all three of them. And <clears> I remember when I was younger, I wasn't as big a fan of Back to the Future 2, but I think now that I'm older, I appreciate it more. Yeah. But, um, no, all three are, are great movies, so I, I I think this will definitely be well worth the purchase. Yeah, even though I don't have 4K TV, I still want to have this, uh, especially for the Blu-ray, because I'll eventually get a 4K TV one of these days. But mm -hmm. um, like you, I actually I bought the uh, the DVD set as well. I love it's such a cool looking DVD set. Like this looks like it's almost the same packaging the the way it's packaged. I just I love it. Back to the Future is still one of my favorite sci-fi movies. My one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, there's very few perfect movies on the planet and Back to the Future is one of those perfect movies. Do you think the DeLorean is the most iconic vehicle in film history? Definitely up there in the top five, I'd say. I would agree with that. You know, I'd say yeah. the DeLorean, uh, Ecto-1. Um, that was going to be the other one I was going to throw up there. Uh, let's see, what else would be up there? Um, as far as movie, the Batmobile, definitely. The Tim Burton Batmobile. Yes, Yep. Um, <clears throat> let's see. What else? What would you? What else would you say was an iconic car? Um, I don't know. When I think of cars, I think more of television. Yeah, but I was thinking the, the General those... Lee because that's pretty recognize universally recognizable. Yeah. Um. Kit. Yeah. At at some point, not to deviate too much, but at some point before the end of the year, I do want to do 
on my show some type of a Back to the Future themed episode. Oh yeah, that'd be great. I I, I reached out to the reps for uh, Tom Wilson who played Biff. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I, I didn't hear anything back, but. I figure worst case scenario, I have interviewed Claudia Wells before. Yeah. So I could always see if she wanted to just do a you yeah. know, return appearance. That's a great episode, too. If, if and, and, no one's listening to that, go check out the Derek Diamond experience and go listen to that episode. It's a pretty old one. It's from, I think, 2016, because that yeah. was when she was at Pensacon. But they're doing a Back to the Future reunion at Pensacon this year. Sweet. With, with, and Claudia Wells will be included in that, so... Um, I might see if you know if she if she wants to do like a return appearance. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. It, it'd be it'd be cool for like one week maybe to do like a retrospective, like say like me, you, and Wally, mm-hmm. and then the week after do another Claudia Wells interview. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that'd be cool. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for this. Um, for this box set. Our next article comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Analog Pocket pre-orders have sold out, but more are on the way. Let's see. uh, The original article, Analog has announced it will be opening pre-orders for its upcoming Analog Pocket FPGA-based console, which offers access to over 2,780 Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance cartridges on August 3rd at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The bad news, the handheld will now ship in May of 2021, a delay in which analog attributes to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, which has triggered supply chain issues out of the company's control. And there's some really good photos of uh, the analog pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as an update, uh, it says here, and just like that, the initial batch of pre-orders have sold out in around 15 minutes. It's crazy. Analog says that it will be producing more and doing its best to meet demand, and you can sign up to be notified when more consoles are available again. Yeah, I know a lot of people were angry that it sold out so fast because they should have known they were going to sell more than they did. Always over-prepare. Yeah. When you do something like that, always over prepare. And if you have leftover stock, you'll sell it eventually. Yeah. Got some more people in the chat room. What's up, you guys? Mixmaster and Picola Asian. I uh, said the Facebook nice. stream was messing up, so he jumped over here. Oh. I want to. What, uh, what was going on with the Facebook stream? <clears throat> probably just Facebook. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, well, over in um, the Facebook side of things, we do have Armez Jackson watching, as well as the Alfred Pennyworth. Oh, nice. I didn't know he was a Nerd Cave Retro fan. <laughs> Say uh, hi to, to Bruce and Dick yeah. for us. <laughs> um, some people just want to watch the world burn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this next story... This is really cool. Um, This makes me want this, but I don't have the money for it. Um, Same. (laughs) uh, From Nintendo, also from NintendoLife.com, the Lego NES has a cool Super Mario Brothers Easter egg hidden inside of it. Um, Let's see. uh, Located underneath a side panel of the system is a recreation of Super Mario Brothers World 1-2. It even features the Warp Zone section at the end, allowing you to jump ahead in the game. And they have a picture of it here in the thing. Uh, and it said, IGN's Brian uh, Altano discovered his own, described his own discovery of this during the building process. He said, I started building something, and underneath this removable panel on the side, and it started to come together as something that was vaguely familiar, and I realized I was building World 1-2 on the side of the NES. Complete with a moving platform in orange, the warp pipe that brings you to World 1-3. Or if you want to hop over all of that, you can go down to the warp zone, which will bring you way further into the game, depending on which of these things you hop into. Uh, it's one of the coolest little Easter eggs I've ever seen in a Lego kit, and it just hides right here uh, under the NES. I think the average person wouldn't even know it was there. That's so cool. I love it. And like you, I really want one of these. Like yeah, I really do. But I really do too. That's that's a lot of coin to drop for it. Four hundred bucks, yeah. For the whole set, that's uh, it's a little out of my price range. Yeah, 
Maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> Let's see. Our last story. This is actually really cool. This uh, comes to us from comicbook.com and courtesy of I Am The Rampage. Ren and Stimpy reboot in the works at Comedy Central. The Ren and Stimpy show will return on Comedy Central. It's been 25 years since Ren and Stimpy ended their runs on Nickelodeon and Spike TV. Now Comedy Central will reimagine the series for a new generation, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Nickelodeon Animated Studios will develop the project once Viacom CBS hires a creative team. There's no information available on when the series will debut or for how many episodes it will run. The original Ren and Stimpy show debuted on Nickelodeon in 1991. Uh, this announcement is the latest in a trend of Viacom, CBS, reviving submersive animated comedies from the 90s and early 2000s. <clears throat> they also uh, will resurrect Beavis and Butthead and Clone High and ordered the Daria spinoff series, Jody. Oh, did you ever watch Ren and Stimpy? Yes, I watched Ren and Stimpy. I love Ren and Stimpy. Stimpy, so actually- <laughs> you bloated sack of protoplasm. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> uh, gee, so, man. <laughs> so as a kid, I was not allowed to watch the Ren and Stimpy show, which oh, made me want to watch it even more. That uh, that show was way too like out there for kids, and it was like marketed to kids. I, yeah, I don't know how they got away with it. Every time I think of Ren and Stimpy, I just get happy, happy, joy, joy yeah. stuck in my head. I used to have a DVD of the uh, the Lost episodes. Did you ever see those? I never saw them, but I remember seeing the DVD set in stores. Yeah. I used to have that, and I don't know what I did with it. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, happy joy, joy. joy. <laughs> if and you ain't the granddaddy of all liars. No, um, I, I'm excited for this. I mean, that along with, you know, Beavis and Butthead. I just, I hope they get at least some of the original creators involved. Yeah. Is what I hope. I hope they get Billy West back to do the voices. Oh, I hope so. I feel like that's a requirement. Oh, yeah. Or at least it should be. But no, this is this is really cool. I'm excited for it. All right, well, now it is time to go into this month in video game history. In August of 1979, Atari releases Lunar Lander, the first arcade version of a game concept created on many computers 10 years earlier. Did you ever play Lunar Lander? I have not. I know we've talked about it a couple of times uh, here on the show, and I, I will say as a side note, thank God we're in August because <laughs> July got really, really light for yeah. uh, for gaming history. August is pretty full of it, which is which is really nice. But um, no, I know we've talked about Lunar Lander a couple of times, but I have never played it. Yeah, I never played this either. I've heard a lot of talk about it. In the retro community, people loved this game, but I well, never like arcades, it. arcades were something that I didn't really have easy access to. Yeah, as a kid, so I I didn't experience them all that much. Well, I went to the arcade a lot when I was a kid. We had an Aladdin's castle in the mall, and I don't remember Lunar Lander being in there. Yeah, I don't either. Our our closest mall from where I grew up was like an hour away. Yeah. So I, I didn't get to go to the arcade too much. On August 12th of 1981, the IBM personal computer is released for $1,565 US with 16 kilobytes of RAM, Woo. no disk drives, <laughs> and get this, four color, four color. Four color. CGA graphics. Wow. Wow. How, how much is uh, $1,565 converted to today? Uh, equivalent to $4,401 in 2019. That's not that bad considering some no, of the, the Apple computers were like, you know, 10 grand. I think what the Apple, what was it, the first Macintosh, I think was like 10 grand. When it first came yeah, out, like, like that. 83 or 84, it's crazy. Yeah. And that's like the equivalent of like $25,000 today. It's a lot of coin. Yeah, it is. 
Uh, August 30th, 1987, Capcom releases Street Fighter, the first game of the series, and the one game no one ever talks about in the Street Fighter series. People love Street Fighter 2, though. Yeah, there was well, there was 85 different versions of Street Fighter 2. Yeah. <clears throat> I prefer the uh, the unreleased 86th version. Yeah, me too. Personally. The underground version. I I don't <laughs> think we've ever reviewed a Street Fighter game. No, and I've thought, you know, I've thought about it, but honestly, it's like, what can you really review about it? It's hard to review, like, fighting games and stuff like that, because it's just fighting. <laughs> There's no... Well, know. like with Mortal Kombat, it was different because I grew up playing that game well, and I a, had like that uh, that attachment to it. And yeah. plus, you had—I mean, there's a Street Fighter movie, but well, know, there's, there's a, a story Kombat mode that I liked. There's a story yeah. mode that you can play in Mortal Kombat. I don't ever remember there being a story mode in any of the Street Fighter uh, games. Yeah, I—I I don't either. I don't either. Uh, Rampage said he still likes Street Fighter Three the best. Change his mind. <laughs> I, don't even, I didn't even know there was a Street Fighter 3. I thought there was just like 95 versions of Street Fighter 2. He should post the uh, the meme of the guy sitting at the table with the coffee. Yeah. Street Fighter 3 is better. <laughs> Changed my mind. Uh, In August of 1988, <clears throat> Sega releases Altered Beast, later ported to the Mega Drive slash Genesis, where it was packaged with the console in North America and Europe. Rise I remember from your grave. <laughs> I've never played this game. I've thought about because I know it's on the Genesis yeah. Mini. I've thought about playing it to review it. You should. It's I love Altered Beast. Like I started playing it on when I I remember playing it as a kid at a, at a, a couple of friends' houses that actually had the Genesis, and um, I played it for a little while when I got the Mini, and it's still a pretty cool game. I just love yeah. the the voices on it. It's like Rars from your grave. You know, one thing that Sega missed out on is they should have had some type of um, musical game for the Genesis with Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah, they should. <laughs> See, well, I'm trying to think of a Genesis song, like I Can't Dance or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Can't see. Dance exclusively for the Genesis. Yes. By Genesis. Yes. No, no brand confusion there. Uh, no, August 23rd of 1991... Nintendo releases Super Mario World and F-Zero along with the, with the SNES or the SNES in North America. Super Mario World was the original pack-in game for the SNES. The game introduces Yoshi character to the Mario series. And I'm glad they went with the, the Yoshi character that they did because the, like the story we talked about last week with the Nintendo leak, I, I don't think Yoshi would have been as popular a character if he, if he remained, you know... Uh, raptor looking. <laughs> yeah, his current look is slightly more kid friendly. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean Super Nintendo. It's my all time favorite video game system. I remember getting it that year as a late birthday gift because it was released just you know a few days after my birthday. Yeah. So I I remember plugging in Super Mario World for the first time, and that game sucked me in. Oh yeah. And still one of my favorite video games of all time. And I, I think, honestly, one of the best video games of all time. I got it for Christmas in 91. And I just remember that Christmas break, like that remaining week after Christmas before we went back to school. That's all me and my brother did was play uh, Super Mario World until we finally beat it. And then I moved on to Legend of Zelda because I got four games that Christmas. I got Final Fight, F-Zero, Legend of Zelda, and, of course, it came with Super Mario World. Mm -hmm. So I had four games to choose from, and I was like, what do I play first? <laughs> That's a good Christmas. Yeah, it was. That was the best Christmas ever. It sounds like it. In August 27th, 1996, Namco releases Tekken 2 for the PlayStation in North America. I remember playing a lot of Tekken. My buddy, uh, playing my buddy Josh. I remember us playing a lot of Tekken <clears throat> back in the 90s. Staying up real I late, never, playing Tekken. I never really played Tekken. The, the only fighting games that I got into were Mortal Kombat, and then I briefly got into Soul Calibur. 
Yeah. Because uh, they released Soul Calibur 2 for, like, the GameCube, uh, PlayStation 2, and the Xbox. And I remember they had exclusive characters for each version. They had Link as an exclusive oh, yeah. for uh, for GameCube. And I think they had actually had Yoda for the um, the Xbox version. I remember that. I think that, that was that the was other the one version, that I would have got. Yeah, that's the version I played was the one with Yoda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was for the that. Xbox. Yeah. Uh, August I can't 20th. remember who the PlayStation exclusive was. Oh, wasn't it Spawn? It might have been. I think I can't was. remember. I remember Spawn was a uh, exclusive to, uh, for a fighting game, but I don't remember which fighting game it was for. It was an exclusive for either the Xbox or the PlayStation, but I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, let see. On August 21st, 1998, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six is released for Windows. I never got into any of the Tom Clancy games. I think I rented Rainbow Six for maybe the N64 or maybe the PlayStation 2 or something like that. And, and then I played the... Sp- some of the Splinter Cell games, I just never got into them. The thing I remember about the Tom Clancy games, I remember seeing commercials for them all the time. But I never knew anyone who played them. Oh, yeah. Picola Asian says uh, Yoda was exclusive to Xbox 360 for Soul Calibur 4, and Spawn was exclusive to the Xbox version of Soul Calibur 2. I knew he would know it. <laughs> and that's why we call him the Emerald Coast fact checker. Yes. <laughs> we have three fact checkers. We have Wally, who is the official fact checker. Tyler yeah. Watson, who is the fact checker to the fact checker. And Brandon Rutledge is the Emerald Coast yes. fact checker. <laughs> uh, and I try and fight the facts every week because I say never let facts get in the way of a good story. Yeah, yeah Mixed Master's right. He said uh, he couldn't do Splinter Cell games either because too much stealth. That was my problem. I can't do stealth games at all. I can't stand when games give me like a stealth mission or an an escort mission or a stealth mission. You can just keep those and shove them up your butts. Hear that, game oh, we'll, developers? We'll, <laughs> we'll get to stealth aspects here in just a okay, couple of minutes. Okay, good. <laughs> and to close us out for this month in video game history, on August 28th of 2000, Mario Tennis is released for the N64, the only real like Mario sports game that I got into. And as a little trivia question, it also introduced the character of Waluigi. Oh, I did not know that. I was wondering mm-hmm. when Waluigi made his debut. It was Mario Tennis. Huh. Because I, I remember never... seeing him and I was like, oh, they finally made like the evil Luigi because, you know, Wario was around forever. Yeah. You know, since the, the Game Boy era. I just cannot get into sports games. The only, the, I think the last sports game I really got into was the NHL 2K series back in like 2004, I think. I've actually kind of been like having the itch to play a hockey game. I've never played one before. Dude, hockey games are great. I just wish that the uh, 2K um, was still making those games because those were great. I can't remember the two teams, but you know, like most sports have have started back now, and with the NHL, they're hosting like half the league in in Edmonton, yeah, and the other half in Toronto. And I can't remember the two teams that were playing, but within minutes there were two players already like yeah. beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> and I was best. like, hockey's back. That's the best part of hockey is watching the fights. Yeah, do you guys have like a like an indie hockey team? Uh, we used to. Uh, we used to have. Well, at first we had the uh, the Sea Wolves, and they mm-hmm. won the ECHL championship. And then, of course, the ECHL shut down. And it became what is it now? The uh, I think it's the SPHL. Yeah, SPHL. And then we had they ch- we got another team called the Surge, and then um, they got rid of hockey like about five years ago or so, which sucked because I used to love going to hockey games. Yeah, we have. When I was a kid, we had the Ice Pilots. I remember and then that. They- yeah. They went away, and then they came back rebranded as the Ice Flyers. Yeah. And they're they're still around. I haven't been to an Ice Flyers game in years. I but think the Ice Flyers were the, were the Seawolves' uh, uh, rivals, if I remember correctly. That sounds about right. 
Because, I mean, if you look at baseball, it's like the Shuckers are the rivals for the, the Blue Wahoos. What so. a stupid name, Shuckers. <laughs> you mean with their... Um, Sideways vagina. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say their um, provocative logo. Yeah. Dude, it, anybody listening to this that is not from the Gulf Coast area, go online and look up the Biloxi Shuckers baseball team and look at that logo and tell me that it does not look like a sideways vagina with googly eyes. I don't know what they were thinking with that logo. <laughs> I really don't. I remember when the, cause the team in Huntsville became the Biloxi team. And we saw the logo, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's yeah. Brandon, um, Brandon said he still has some Ice Pilots merch, and uh, where I work, before I worked there, they were the exclusive um, merchandising T-shirt shop for the the Sea Wolves. So there's like old Sea Wolves merchandise like everywhere in my uh, in my shop. It, even like oh, old cool. trophies. And stuff like trophies and banners and like old old uh, pictures, all kind of stuff in there from the Sea Wolves. The coolest hockey team name I ever heard was the old Tallahassee Tiger Sharks. Oh, that's not a bad name. Yeah, I was like, that's I can get behind that name. Yeah, you get two for one with that name, Tigers and yeah. Sharks. But uh, before we go into the review that I can't wait for us to get to. Derek has some shout-outs before we go into it. So as always, we like to give a shout-out to our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armez Jackson, Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, and Randy Bailey. Thank you guys, as always, for keeping the lights on for us. And because we are at the $50 level, we will keep doing our bonus episodes. And this month, we will be doing a commentary track for the Street Fighter movie, which yes. I cannot wait for because, as we've mentioned almost ad nauseum on the show, <laughs> Double Dragon was it was a, an interesting venture. That movie was through, crap. <laughs> that's putting it nicely. But uh, no, Street Fighter is is like the so bad it's good, yeah, and fun type of movie. So I'm excited for it. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon, head over to Patreon.com/slash/NerdCaveRetro. Yes, and tonight Derek's going to be talking about. I'm, I've almost, I've almost made it. I've almost. Okay, there we go. Just rant away, my friend. Rant away. Okay. Let me get so. Com- let me get comfortable. Get my, get my water. And get, get, sit back. So, before we actually start, I, I have to be completely honest with everyone. I can't really call this a review. We're, we'll call it a a friendly discussion about a a certain video game. So. I mentioned, you know, weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I'm due to review a bad game. I've been having a good stretch. You know, I've reviewed like Sonic and Knuckles. I've reviewed, you know, other good games, you know, and Paper Mario a couple of weeks ago that I really like. But honestly, I think my most fun review that I ever did was when I reviewed Superman 64. Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> because that game, like, I knew how bad it was because I'd heard so much about it. I didn't know until two weeks ago that there was even a Mission Impossible game for the Nintendo 64. And that won the coin toss, so mm-hmm. um, I attempted to play it. <laughs> so let, let me let me set the stage for you, if you will. So today I will be discussing Mission Impossible, which is an action-adventure video game developed by Infograms and loosely based, that's very accurate, on the 1996 film of the same name. 
It was originally released for the Nintendo 64 video game console in 1998, July 18th to be exact. In the game, the player assumes the role of Ethan Hunt. You wouldn't know that by how the character looks. Hmm. An impossible missions force agent who must clear his name after a mole has infiltrated the team. Game features 20 levels where the player must complete several mission objectives with the use of numerous high-tech gadgets. So, when I sat down to play this game, I didn't look up anything about it. All I had was what we talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. I didn't read any reviews, any like walkthroughs or anything. And you know what? I'm just going to get it and I'm just going to dive right in and see what happens. So, you know, I, I start playing it and um, first, you know, the, the logo screen comes up and you hear the Mission Impossible theme. I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. You know, I love the Mission Impossible theme. It's pretty catchy and everything. The first cutscene has graphics that look more paper-like than Paper Mario. And Paper Mario was designed to look like paper. <laughs> you, you look at, like, say you're in this park or whatever, and you look at the trees, and they're like, it's like that, that thin. I'm like, mm-hmm. can you guys not, like, make any depth? And, and here's the thing. We've knocked the N64 for its graphics not holding up that great. Yeah. But Ocarina of Time didn't look this bad. (laughs) Mario 64, which was the first game to come out for this console, did not look this bad. (laughs) Brandon said he just looked up screenshots of Mission Impossible and almost got cataracts. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think I felt playing it? (laughs) I remember when I got this game, um, I got it when... A few years ago, my brother actually bought me a Nintendo 64 for my birthday and shipped it to me. He found it at a, uh, um, uh, not a flea market, but a, uh, what do you call those sales where somebody dies? <laughs> and they, estate sale. Yeah, they had yeah. It, he found it at an estate sale and sent it to me. And he gave me a couple of games, and one of the games was Mission Impossible. I had never played it before, and so I popped it in. I think I lasted maybe five minutes before I was like, this game is garbage. I made it slightly longer than that. <laughs> I, I gave the, the opening mission more than one attempt, but I'll, I'll get to that. So your first mission, you get off a boat, and what you're supposed to do, like you get your mission objective of what you're supposed to do. And I didn't really think of the stealth aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you your character, you, you get off the boat, and first of all, it took me like two minutes to figure out how to jump. <laughs> That's probably more user error than anything, but I digress. I'm, I'm still going to blame the game. That sounds slightly familiar. I think I may have had the same problem. So you're, the first thing you're supposed to do is you jump over these crates uh, to hop over a fence. And you're supposed to find this guard, and what you have to do throughout the game is you get disguises in order to further infiltrate you know, the location that you're at. I didn't think to do that. I just completely skipped the building and started shooting people. <laughs> and then it just says, mission failed, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you mean I failed? So I restart it. I'm like, all right, this game looks really bad. It plays like crap. There's really no redeeming quality of it other than hearing the theme at the beginning of the of the game. Yeah. So I restart. You do what I'm supposed to do. You go in the small building. You kill this guy. You take his um his outfit, and then you infiltrate the um the um the building you're in. I can't even remember the actual name of it. But uh, again, I just ignore any type of stealth aspect and really what happens is if you're disguised as someone and you do something that's out of the ordinary the enemies will become suspicious of you which is a cool feature i think i mean it's realistic in my opinion but it took the fun out of it you know i just want to go in and i would just want to go in guns blazing and kill as many people as possible but yeah it it wasn't really that and at that point i was like you know what 
Jason was right. This game sucks. <laughs> and I turned it off and I haven't played it since. You know what I'm when I was play when I first popped this in and played it <clears throat> and I was like who was this game for? Who was this game for? Because this was what 98 when this came yep. out. When did that first movie come out? Like 99, 2000? I, I want to say it was like 96. Oh, was it? Because it's not based on the movie, which was a pretty popular movie. I mean, it's still a franchise going to this day. But it's not based on the movie. And at the time, Mission Impossible was an old TV show. Like, even when yep. when I was a kid, it was old. It was, like, 20 years old. Like, and when it was rerunning, when I was, like, you know, five, six years old, it was an old show. So, I just don't know. Like, unless you're, like, a super hardcore Mission Impossible fan, who was this game for? Well, the thing is, GoldenEye had already came out by that point. Because GoldenEye yeah. came out in 97. And it's like, how do you top virtual, like, first-person shooter perfection? Yeah. You, you can't. Yeah. And as I was, I started doing more research on the game. Because I was like, why is this game so terrible? The same thing with Superman 64. Like, the backstory behind it, to me, was more fascinating than the actual game yeah. itself. Because I'm like, why is this game so bad? So it was actually... Um, Originally going to be um, for the PC, uh, Mega Drive, Sega Saturn, and 32X. So it was essentially going to be a 16-bit game because there was a Mission Impossible game for the NES. Was there? Oh, in, um, I do I remember that. It came that. out in 1990. Yes, I remember that. But by the time that you know it was really in development, the 16-bit era was pretty much gone because yeah. the... The um, N64, I think, came out in, in 95 or 96. So they essentially, like, the game wasn't even close to being completed. So then they scrapped it and started, you know, taking elements of it and moving it over to the N64. And originally it was going to have Tom Cruise's likeness, but he pulled it because he disdains violence in video games. Which makes me think, why would he agree for his likeness to be used in the first place? Yeah. So that, that didn't really make any sense. And there was going to be when the 64 uh, disk drive was still a possibility, there was going to be additions to this game on the disk drive. Yeah. But of course, you know, it was a complete failure overseas and it was never brought over. I said... Um, this game received mixed reviews from critics and was frequently compared to Goldeneye. But did was Goldeneye? I don't really remember the main uh, story or you know story mission of Goldeneye. Did it have a lot of stealth stuff in it? I don't remember. Not that I remember. I mean, Goldeneye pretty much adapted the movie. Yeah. Mostly, I remember Goldeneye just from the the multiplayer. Um, but, but that's just, why I think it was so popular, not because of the story. I don't know. It doesn't. But seem, because it just had one of the greatest multiplayers ever. Yeah, and Mission Impossible just doesn't seem like it would have that. I don't know that that appeal because it doesn't have that instant name recognition of characters. Like you think of James Bond, you. You know the names of those characters, like Odd Job and and James Bond and all the uh, you know the different um, all the classic villains. Yeah, the classic villains. But Mission Impossible is like you know only the only name I remember is Ethan, and that's because you know uh, Tom Cruise played him in the movie. Like I don't remember jack shit about Mission Impossible. And well, I, it didn't honestly, have the staying power of Bond. I don't even remember the movies all that well. I don't even think I've seen, like, the last three. I haven't. I, I watched the original three when they came out. And, I mean, I, I like them. I mean, do I think they're as good as, you know, some of the James Bond movies? No, but they're they're still fun. Yeah. I've heard the new ones are, are actually better. Yeah. But I, I haven't 
I haven't watched a Mission Impossible movie past the third one. I don't know. It's just kind of weird to have a property like this because yeah, it was a it was a popular TV show back in the '60s, but it, it I don't know. It didn't resonate with me or anybody like my age. And I mean, the movie came out, yeah, and people liked the movie, but it wasn't one of those things that like you know. I didn't watch any of the old reruns or anything like that. Just something about Mission Impossible just didn't resonate with me. And that's why I wonder, like, who was this game for, really? If it wasn't based off of the movie, who was it for? Well, also, it says here the development of Mission Impossible was troubled and marred by an overestimation on what the Nintendo 64 could do, mm. resulting in the game not materializing as intended. This, along with the fact that the developers refused to publish a substandard product, interesting, uh, <laughs> caused the game to be continually delayed. And wow. then uh, in autumn of 1997, after acquiring Ocean, French video game company Infograms decided to put a new team in charge of the project. So, I mean, this thing was pretty much doomed from the beginning. I mean, anytime yeah. you have, like, a big shift in creative or anything like that, it's, it's, it's never a good sign. But yeah. I, I feel bad in that aspect because I feel like, you know, the creators, those who are actually doing, like, the labor-intensive portion of the game, I feel were honestly doing the best that they could. Yeah. But again, and I said this with Superman 64, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall <laughs> to know who said, this is good, put it out there. Yeah, and this is that era of gaming where, I don't know if you feel this way, but a lot of these games like this, the Superman 64, and I can name a slew of other games from this era that just, they felt like alpha versions of a game. Yep. Like, they weren't finished like they were just being rushed out the door and they just weren't good do you think it was because of the big shift between 16-bit and 64-bit because there's not a big jump between 8 and 16 yeah i don't know i i feel like you know there was a lot of shovelware back in the the nes and super nintendo era era i mean you had like you know, you had LJN putting out whatever crap they could sign a license to, and you had to be careful. But, like, even in this era, uh, you know, that huge jump from 16-bit to the, the polygonal graphics, I don't know, it, it just felt like a lot of these games were... I think they were trying to do way more. It's like they, they saw this huge jump in technology... And they were like, all right, well, we can do this now, but it was still a little too ambitious for what the, I don't know, what the, the hardware could handle. Because I think they, they were trying to do what uh, PCs were doing <clears throat> at the time. And you kind of saw that like around 2000 when, <clears throat> when Halo came out. Because they were already doing, you know, first-person shooters on the PCs that were light years beyond what consoles were capable of. So I, I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I can't, I really can't explain it. I think like a lot of times there's their ambition was way further than what the hardware can handle. And then other times I feel like, you know, like Superman 64, I think it was just somebody did a proof of concept and was like, all right, here's what the engine can do. Now let's go build a game, and then somebody higher up saw that you know alpha build of the game and was like, "Oh, we can go ahead and put this out now." And I, either way, like I just don't understand that that logic. Yeah, like I, I, I really don't. And I, I felt like that next generation of 3D gaming, like with GameCube, with Xbox, is when they started to figure it out. Yeah. You know, with, with Microsoft, you know, they had been obviously in computers. So I felt like, you know, w with Halo as an example, that kind of gave them a little bit more of an advantage because they knew how to be able to handle something of that magnitude. Yeah. The loosely quote, uh, Admiral Akbar there, but, um, <laughs> Oh, a uh, shout out to, uh, Michael Dixon and Wade Vatican who are watching on Facebook. Oh, awesome. Welcome. 
Fantastic. But yeah, I mean, you and those in the chat warned me about it, and I had no idea <laughs> like how bad it was going to be. Like my expectations <clears throat> were low. Yeah. But I may have lasted a little bit longer in Superman than I did with Mission Impossible. See, I should have uh, raised your expectations so you could have been as as bewildered and disappointed as I was at this game. Yeah, it's because I'll be honest, I didn't even know this was a game back then. Like I didn't, this, I didn't either until last week. Yeah, I didn't even know this was a game until you know I got the the Nintendo sixty four a couple of years ago, and it was one of the games that was shipped with it. And I was like, what is this? And I played it, and I lasted maybe five, six minutes tops. I was like, this is awful. I'm never going to play this. Well, you want to know the crazy thing? On the reception portion of this little Wikipedia page, Mm -hmm. Mission Impossible was considered a commercial success, according to Infogram's chairman, Bruno Bonnell. It sold 1.13 million copies what? as of February 1999. In the U.S. market, it had sold 550,000 as of October 1998. That's crazy. It, received, it gets better. Uh, Mission Impossible received generally mixed reviews from critics and was frequently compared to Golden Eye 007. In what way? <laughs> <laughs> in what way? Like it's it's not in the same I league. No. <clears throat> Nowhere near. GoldenEye is one of the greatest video games ever made, and Mission Impossible is it's the great value version of yeah. GoldenEye, is what it is. <laughs> and that's surprising me. If you would have told me this thing sold five hundred and fifty thousand copies total. That I would have believed, but one point one point one three million copies sold. It, just the fact that it broke a million copies is mind blowing to me. Like they must have had a great advertising campaign. That or all the employees went and bought the copies. Probably. <laughs> because if I so, if I would have bought this back in ninety eight, I would have immediately taken it back and been like, "Can I please get something else?" Yeah, but this probably—I don't even know if this would have even been a rental for me. This is this would have been one of those games I would have seen on the shelf at Blockbuster and been like, "Nah, next," and moved on. I probably would have never even rented this. Yeah, Yeah, well, it gets a little bit better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So some of the review scores, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a five point seven five out of 10 game informer an eight out of 10 that's eight as in (laughs) 10 minus two game revolution gave it a b minus game spot a 6.6 out of 10 ign 6.6 out of 10 and nintendo power a 7.2 out of 10 all right whose palms got greased for those reviews who from Game Informer was on their payroll <laughs> is what I want to know. I don't know. Maybe in 1998, this game would have been more playable but, because we didn't know any better. Maybe we're looking at it through 2020 eyes. What do you think? Possibly, but again, I'll say this came out after GoldenEye. Yeah. So it's like how... Again, how would you top GoldenEye? You can't. I mean, can you make something that's almost as good? You'd be like, yeah, it's not as good as GoldenEye, but it's still fun. Yeah. Rampage this, said uh, someone bought all one million copies so that no one else would suffer. <laughs> whoever did that, if that were the case, they deserve the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Every, like, every activist, every peacemaker award they deserve. I can't believe. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't believe nin, uh, N6, Nintendo Power gave it a 7.2. They've 7. rated some 2. of their own games lower than that. <sighs> they have rated some of their IPs lower than a 7.2. That's I, And maybe the game gets better after the first mission. I don't know. I couldn't even make it past the first mission. If this game were released for Xbox 360 or, re, or like remastered or whatever... 
you would sh you should get an achievement for being able to suffer through the first mission. <laughs> Whew. I, I I just and again maybe it's because I didn't play it back when it first came out and like you said maybe you know we didn't know any better back then because that was in that phase of because you look at some of the original PlayStation games their graphics aren't great. Yeah. Maybe to me, it's not I don't, just about the graphics. Maybe it's not if, just about that. Like, just the gameplay is not good. I don't know. Maybe if I'd have played this in '98, it would have been a little more well received. Uh, because I was into games with a lot of story and you know a big meaty game like this. Like I loved Resident Evil uh, games and all that. But I, I don't know. I just I it's. Looking at it with 2020 glasses, it's just, it's a pile of garbage. Hot garbage. Hot, smelly garbage. Yeah, Brandon Rutledge says it perfectly. Achievement unlocked. Didn't destroy TV. <laughs> and yeah, this master says, I'm not, I'm actually not big on graphics as long as it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I do agree with that. But I mean,. This game is just overall bad, yeah. and it's like the the graphics, the bad graphics don't help it, yeah, at all. And I mean, yeah, he just said it, but crappy graphics don't help. Yeah, especially this era, you know, the N sixty four, the PlayStation one era, that that transition from sixteen bit to you know, in between the sixteen bit era and the PlayStation two, that whole you know six seven year period was just. Whew, that was a rough time for graphics, man. Yeah. Unless you were a PC gamer, oh, that was a rough, rough time for uh, console gaming. Yep, that it was. What uh, what number grade would you give it? <laughs> well, if we weren't streaming on Facebook, I, I would visually show the number that I would give. Yeah. But I, I will just simply say I'm giving it a one. Wow. Because I, I always give a one for effort, but to me, there's no like real. I think I gave Superman sixty four the same. Yeah, like to me, this is just as bad as Superman sixty four. I think the only other game we've ever rated that low was Fester's Quest and Superman sixty four. We should have been writing down all of our number ratings, yeah. like from episode one, so that way we could see like what the the high. <laughs> rated and what the lowest rated are yeah the three lowest have to be fester's quest gotta be superman 64 and mission impossible so that i've reviewed two of the three worst games that we've done <laughs> i don't know I've, I've reviewed some pretty crap uh old you games. have i already know what my next bad game's going to be but I, i'm gonna need something good to to wash the taste out of my mouth i don't yeah. know what i'm gonna review yet but i'll figure it out no, Mixmaster, you're wrong. Fester's Quest is not better than a one. <laughs> you know, I've heard a lot of people give that game uh, some some love, and I'm wondering maybe because they say it's real, it's one of those games that's really hard in the beginning, but it gets easier as you go along. Maybe I just need to suck it up and try to get further into the game. To where I can actually, you know, kill enemies instead of, you know, like the first, the first little minion you come across should not be as tough as a boss fight, you know, like that's not cool, man. The only reason why I would say I don't think you should is because if you get farther, I feel like it would taint the epic rant that you did yeah. about this game. <laughs> Which I think is like top two or three moments that have made me laugh the hardest on the show. Yeah. Uh, Rampage said Silver Surfer. I've never, ever played Silver Surfer, but I know it's notorious for being one of the hardest Nintendo games. I think I may actually stream that one of these days. You should. Uh, Brandon Rutledge says, I have some suggestions for more bad game reviews. Throw them in the chat. Yeah, give us some I'll, bad uh, game we'll... suggestions. We'll figure it out. Because I, I know one off the top of my head, and the only reason why I wouldn't do it is because I feel like I've beaten the, the Sonic craze to death, especially since the movie came out. But it's a, a Game Gear game called uh, Tales Adventure. 
where you play j- just as Tails and you use different gadgets. I- I'll sum it up in two words. Password system. <laughs> Whew, gotta love password systems. Yeah, oh, uh, he no. says either of the Castlevania games for N64. I can't do it. I tried to play the Castlevania game. One of them, I think, what, which one was on the N64? Was it just Castlevania 64? I think I tried uh, to play it once, and it was awful. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll I'll review I'll review it. You'll do it. Not not for my next not for my next one, yeah. but uh, for for October. <laughs> you need I'll to give a it. you need to give a good buffer. You need to have a good good palate cleanser game in between bad games. I do know that I want to review Soul Blazer. Which is an RPG for the Super Nintendo, yeah. but I'll need time to actually like immerse myself in it. Because like with Paper Mario, you know, I'd already played it before, so like I, I it started coming back to me as you know I started playing it, but I've never played Soul Blazer before, so I do want to do that at some point. But I think I'll, um, uh, I'll figure something out. I think after my next review, which is going to be uh, Goblin, um, Goblin Sword, which you, you, that's a good palate cleanser for you. I think you need to spend a couple days playing Goblin Sword. Over the weekend, I, uh, I I really want to do a review of Guardian Legend because I've heard that game is really good, like a Blaster Master style good. So I think I want to want to give that game a shot and um, play it. I've always been curious about it, and Blaster Master turned out to be like one of my favorite NES games, and uh, it's it's definitely one of those um, uh, you know must have titles for the Nintendo and everybody loves Guardian Legend. I've never heard a bad thing about it, so I think I'm going to uh review that one next. I actually think I know what my next review is going to be. I haven't reviewed I don't think I've reviewed a Game Boy game in a while, so I'll review um Wario Land. Super Mario Land 3 for Game Boy for my next yeah, review. Yeah, that's not bad. Go ahead and finish yeah. that one out. Yeah complete the trilogy yes um but that's gonna bring us to the end of the show is there anything you would like to uh throw out there before we leave this evening yeah just as always check out the Derek diamond experience podcast new episodes drop every thursday on all podcasting platforms this week i'm actually releasing a really fun chat i did with a guy named uh, tom deshane he is a screenwriter and producer but he is also a graduate of Harvard University, and he wrote one of the most unique books about Shakespeare Nice. that actually won an award uh, from Harvard in 2016. Oh, that's awesome. So um, he talks about that, a um, little bit of his film background, and he is also a huge wrestling fan. <laughs> so we spend the first 10 minutes of the show talking about old wrestling. Oh, that's cool. I'm yeah, have to so listen to that one. Um, Yes, yeah, so that'll be out this week. Um, other than that, still doing the trivia thing. If you live in the Pensacola area, we do trivia every Thursday night at Blue Wahoo Stadium. This week we are doing Disney trivia, which includes the movies, uh, parks, even some video game questions. Yes. So we do that every Thursday at 7 p.m., hosted by yours truly. Other than that, uh, that's pretty much it. Hey, Kitty. He wanted to be on the show tonight. Say hi. He, he's like, oh, last chance for a cameo. <laughs> um, I think uh, I'm bound and determined to actually beat and finish uh, Ninja Turtles. So I think uh, I'm going to um, uh, stream Ninja Turtles again this weekend. I played it last weekend, got to the same spot I got to last time. Couldn't get past it, so I am uh, I'm determined to beat that damn game, and I'm going to do it. So I'm just going to keep playing it until I beat it. So if you'd like to watch me bang my head against the wall playing Ninja Turtles, join me this Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Time right here on this Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash jfunktastic, and join me. Fantastic. And I might even have some pizza because last time I played, I wanted pizza. So I'm going to do that this Uh, week. I'm going to get a pizza. Had I not already had dinner, I would order a pizza. (laughs) But uh, anything else you'd like to throw out there before we go? Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm good. 
All right. Well, let me go ahead and play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're at on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And also we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where if you keep us above that $50 level, we will do the commentary episodes every month. And this month's going to be a good one with Street Fighter. So go throw us a couple bucks a month. And if you can't, that's fine. Go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yes. You're coming with me. Forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. You blow it!